0: All of us want to have the best relationships possible, right? With our spouses, with our kids, and um, in other relationships with our friendships. But there is one thing that all the best relationships have. You might be thinking love. You might be thinking romance. I'll tell you what the real answer is. The real answer is the best relationships have... boundaries. (laughs) boundaries. <laughs> Everyone say it with me, boundaries. When you're in a relationship, there are rules. There are things that you can and cannot do. Otherwise, it's not a relationship, not, not a genuine relationship. And so um, for many of us, the most important relationship in our lives will be our spouse, our spouse, the one you choose to marry. And marriage has some of the strictest boundaries. Um, You go to the altar when you get married. And what happens at the altar? What's an altar for? It's for killing things. (laughs) It's for dying. (laughs) You you go to the altar and you die to yourself. So romantic, right? And you look at the other person and you say, I'll do this, 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 this for you until I'm dead. And that's marriage. And, And... and it is the closest uh, relationship that you ca- can have on this earth that's like Jesus. And he uses that, And but there are boundaries, there are rules. And if you want the best marriage, you will stay inside of those boundaries, right? One of my favorite um, marriage counselors, he's very wise, his name is Dwight Schrute, and... Um, He's, he's from The Office, if you haven't seen it. I've never seen it because I'm a Christian, but... I hear it's really funny, but this... He says, the Schrutes have their own traditions. We usually marry standing in our own graves. It makes the funerals very romantic, but the weddings are a bleak affair. <laughs> Dwight Schrute. And so you kind of, right up front, you establish how it's going to work. And um, husbands, let me give you a little advice. If you will clean, if you will, serve your wife, prefer her in all your decisions, take things off of her plate, you'll have, at the end of the day, there might be a little room left on her plate for other things that you guys like to do, okay? It's part of, marriage is a give and take. Marriage is, you have to serve the other person. Wives, you guys are doing great. I have no advice for you. (laughs) Just keep it up. Keep it up. Right, but, but there are these rules, and if you want a good marriage, husbands, you've got to lean into your wife, you've got to surrender yourself, you've got to follow these guidelines. If you don't want to do that, then I can't say that you're going to have a great marriage. I can't say that you're going to have a great friendship. I can't say you're going to have a great relationship with your kids. And, um, and a lot of times, I think we do the same thing with our relationship with God. We want all the benefits of what God has to offer and none of the stipulations, we want to have peace, we want to have favor, we want to have blessing, we want to have great community, we want to have a life-giving marriage, but we don't want to do the things that is required for that. We don't, We sh- you know, we show up to church twice a month when we can, not you guys, I'm preaching to the choir this morning, am I right? Um, You know, we don't commit to a small group, we don't read our Bibles as much as we should, we don't spend... Time in prayer as much as we should, you know, when I'm giving people advice and they're like, I'm going through this, I'm going through this, I'm going through this, I'll say, okay, how much have you been reading your Bible? How much have you spent in prayer? How much time are you spending in community, listening to other people and praying with one another? And a lot of times in my own life, if I'm struggling with anxiety, if I'm struggling with if my temper's a little short, you know what that indicates most of the time? It's that I haven't spent the time in the word that I necessarily need to. I haven't spent the time in God's presence that I necessarily need to. And it's because God, Jesus in John 10, he says, I came that you may have life and have it to the full. Life and life to the full. And so when we do the things that we're supposed to, we get life to the full. Jesus doesn't come to be mean or to put some rules on you so that you can prove that you love him, so that you can prove anything. He actually wants you to have the best life that you possibly can. Um, Britt Hancock, he, I, he said a few weeks ago, but he said, uh, when you say yes to God, you get access to everything that he has for you. When you say yes to Jesus, you, you get access to all of that. The question is, how much does he get of you? And so this morning, we're going to study some scripture. Um, you know, in our culture, I think it just, it, we want all the benefits of things without doing the work, right? Uh, get rich, quick schemes, pornography, the simulated intimacy, it's just rampant in our culture. You know, we want to have that six-pack without stopping eating Chick-fil-A and drinking all the soda. We want to be rich, but we don't quite want to have a budget So true, so true. And so, um, when it comes to Jesus, we're quick to point out that he loves us. We're quick to point out that he is forgiving. His mercies are new every morning. And all of those things are true. But it's also true that you can't really live life and life to the full until you start living inside some boundaries. You might be saying, Zach, you're kind of downer this morning, you're kind of mean. Did your kids not sleep last night? <laughs> uh, yes, they didn't. They don't sleep any of the nights. Um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be judgy. I'm not trying to be religious. But at some point, our, our faith, uh, the rubber has to meet the road when it comes to our faith. And we live in a culture where it just is okay. God accepts you as you are, and he does, but none of us can really stay there. And unfortunately, you have to do some of this stuff if you want the benefits. And that's just how life works. That's just how it is. You reap what you sow. All of these things are biblical principles. So let's get into the word, shall we? We're studying First John 2. So you don't have to take my word for any of what we just said. We're going to read about it in the scriptures. So if that makes you feel any better. Um, we're going into 1 John. I have a few minutes. I have some amazing, mind-blowing things that I wrote down for you that would just, just blow your mind. But am going to have to skip some of it. So Don't do it. No. No, no, no. All right. 1 John 2. All right. So these are letters in the New Testament, and when you read the Bible, it's important. I like narrative. I like stories. Does anybody like stories? So when you read the epistles or the letters, there's not a lot of story. It's just a lot of do this, do that, do this, do that, right? And it's not as interesting, so it helps me to know what what the audience, why was the author of 1 John writing this letter? I think it's good for all of us to know. I think it's good for you to come to church on Sunday and learn something about the Bible that maybe you didn't know before, don't you think? So, we're going to talk about the audience, the context that 1 John was written. I have a bachelor's degree, and I've been a pastor's kid for my whole life. So those are my credentials. So, You can also pick up a Bible and read it for yourself. So, um, But 1 John is a letter written to two types of people in the Johannine community. Whoa, that's a big word. Johannine means in the context of John. And there are two people, and one is the religiously obsessed, and two are the spiritually misguided. The author of John is writing to these people because they're part of the Johannine community. John was an apostle, and when the church started they had all these, they just like, Jesus was just a guy who showed up and then 12 dudes later, <laughs> there's just a church and there's all these people trying to figure out what to do and all these people trying to figure out how to follow Jesus. They just didn't have the New Testament like you and I have. And so there was a lot of, um, the letters are because there were issues that came up. There were, they were letters that, that the apostles would write to their communities that were dealing with certain issues. And so these are the two groups that popped up in John's community. The religiously obsessed group was made of Jewish Christians who had a difficult time accepting that Jesus was God, fully God and fully man. They had a difficult time with that because their whole life, they knew that there was one God And then this guy shows up, they know his mom and dad, he's kind of from a poor town, and he says, he's God, and now we're supposed to follow him? And so that was really hard for them to work out how that made sense. And so they really held tightly to the Old Testament scriptures. They really, it just was a huge part of how they operated. They, they, it was like the ultimate, um, their ultimate pursuit was to keep the scriptures the old testament scriptures was like the highest value and so there was a heavy emphasis on the ot the old testament scriptures and righteousness and so they and they kind of became religiously obsessed right and then there was another group there that i am referring to as the spiritually misguided and these people were christians that were pagans before and they were kind of, they had Hellenistic uh, influences. And they were had. Pastor Ross talked about it last week, they were influenced by Gnosticism. Everyone say Gnosticism. And that was a loose religious belief system at the time that really valued heavenly things or revelation above anything else. Natural world didn't matter. Natural world was evil. We only care about heavenly things. So the fact that Jesus was God, woo, yeah, dude, let's add one more to the crew. And um, the fact that he was man, they like didn't like that so much. Okay, so you kind of have these two groups. Does that make sense to everybody? Is everybody following me? I think I have a graphic up here. You can throw it up to Is it up there? Oh, there it is. So here we are. We have the Jewish crew. Theology Jesus as a man, they had a problem with that. The Gnostics, Jesus as a God, they, um, like that, and the ethics, the law is indispensable, and the, and Gnostics believe that righteousness is unimportant. Okay, does that make sense to everybody? That's kind of, so when you read the, when you read the chapter this week, like I know all of you will, you go home and you read it, and it makes more sense, because you know who he's trying to write to, and what context he's trying to write in. So you have these people, you have these two groups, and, um, John. What's interesting about John is he puts a high emphasis on Jesus as God and man, right? He writes a very balanced Christology. Ooh, look at how many words I'm using, you guys. I can't believe this. And that means he is fully God and he's fully man. He was fully able to take our sins and he was fully here being tempted by everything that we have been tempted by. But these two groups, they couldn't quite get that into them, right? And if I had to choose which camp our culture, as the American Western Church, falls into, <laughs> I would say we would fall under people who may be a little spiritually misguided. People who feel like, yeah, I'm okay with Jesus being God. He's awesome. He loves me. But as far as living in righteousness, you know, I, I'm accepted. I'm, I'm. I get forgiveness. But as far as obedience, as far as righteousness, you can do what you want. You can kind of live your truth. And the problem with that is, you that is it is true, Jesus is God. Jesus loves you. Jesus accepts you. But that can't be the whole of the story and you just live your life. Jesus isn't just here to serve your purposes and your goal. He's not here to serve my purposes and my goal. And I'll be honest that I want him to. I want him to do what what I want him to do what I want him to do in the way that I wanted to do it in the timing that I want him to do it. And I don't want to mess with growing or lessons that he may want to teach me. I just, I just be chill. Everyone just be cool. Why can't we just do that, right? And so this is kind of who, for, this is who the author of John is writing to in this second chapter, Um, is these spiritually misguided people. And so we're going to look at the Scripture today, we're going to read some of it, and we're going to get some lessons from it. I hope um, you will be open to what the Scripture has for you. There is no perfect Christian. We are all on our own journey. And God will stop teaching you lessons when you're dead. (laughs) And so... You can read the Bible all day long for the rest of your life and God will still put his finger on things that may be happening in your heart. So um, as we open the scriptures, I just want to invite you to let the Holy Spirit speak. I'm 29, so I know most of stuff on earth, but there's some stuff that I'm willing big enough to admit that I don't know. And so I just want to invite you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you through the word this morning. And so, First um, John chapter 2, he's talking about walking in the light, walking in the light. And he talks about that in chapter 1 a lot too, but light and darkness are big themes for um, the Johannine community. And he gives us some, in this second chapter, he gives us some conditions, everyone say conditions, he gives us conditions or stipulations to what it means to walk in the light, Remember, he's writing to people who are Gnostics, who are just really about the revelation, really about higher knowledge, but not so much about the uh, actions of morality. So the first point that we want to look at, first point that I have is be obedient. (laughs) Oh, man, I I feel like all I do with my kids is walk around and be like, you need to obey me. (laughs) You need to obey. And it's just like, I can't, you can't get it, dude. You're four years old. Don't you know? Don't you know by now? You've lived here for four years. (laughs) But obey, and I wrote in parentheses, do the stuff. You just got to do the stuff in the Bible. You got to look at it. And if you'll just do the stuff, your life will be so much better. Um, Even if you don't believe in God or Jesus. If you did all the stuff that was in the Bible, your life would go so much better than if you just did your own thing. Because it's who, it's how life was created. It's how the creator made it. It's the code. And so if we just do the stuff, life will be better. So let's read it. John 2, 3 through 6. We know that we have come to know him if, everyone say if, if we keep his commands. Yeah, man, I, I got it. I know, it's really sad. It's going to be okay. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, everyone say, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. Ooh. See, I'm not so mean now. I love this translation, and this is how we can be sure that we know him if we obey his orders. John 17, 3 says, this is life eternal that we may know him. So this is how we know him, if we obey his orders. But, verse 5, if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. I love that phrase because it makes me think, how would Jesus live if he was living my life? If he was doing all the stuff that I'm doing, if he was interacting with all the same people that I had to interact with, how would he treat the people that I come into contact with? And how am I, and how am I doing with that? And so, part of, if the first stipulation for walking in the light is that you have to live as Jesus did. And the way you need to think about that is, when I leave here, a Christian is a tiny Christ. <laughs> when you go to lunch, Just leave a big tip. Well, that waiter wasn't paying attention. I got one refill. I'm a big drinker, so I need like a lot of refills. And so it really makes me mad. But you know what? What would Jesus do? That's what I say. And then I tip him big. Verse 9. Anyone who claims to be in the light... But hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in darkness and walks around in darkness. They don't know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. And Psalm 119, it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so we need to obey. We need to do the stuff, you know. As as um, Pastor Ross goes and takes a break, we need to do the stuff. We need to be kind to people who don't deserve it. It's easy to be kind to people who are kind to you. Jesus says, "What credit is that to you?" We need to be. We need to be people who love our enemies and if you hate your brother or sister the scripture says you're walking around in darkness you don't know where you're going you don't you don't have a direction you don't have a path you're just wandering around and that's what it means to to just accept jesus but not live out what he's asking you to do you're walking in darkness you're just blind and so we need to be people who do the stuff we need to be people who obey um and you can see the you can see the spiritually misguided people as they're reading this letter they're like oh i guess i can't just do whatever i want all the time and just like it matters this is this is what this is what john um, the gospel of john the writer he was trying to communicate that god he is fully god and he is fully man and the point of christianity the point of following jesus is that the two worlds overlap In your life, it has to overlap. It has to mean something. If it doesn't mean anything, then it's just an idea. And that's what the Gnostics, they were after knowledge. They were just after ideas. But that's not it. Jesus came. He didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but instead made himself nothing and came down to serve. And so there is an overlapping. There is a kingdom that is coming that we have to participate with. Otherwise, we are in darkness. And so... um, I want to encourage you, do the stuff. Everyone say, do the stuff. Um, Oh, I wanted to say, you know, One Chapel's motto, anybody? We help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. And so it doesn't matter what journey you're on. When you come into the doors of One Chapel, you are admitting that you are on your way somewhere. That you don't have this obedience thing figured out. You are admitting that I don't have it all together. I need God to help me move to another place. I need God to, to work in me. I need God's help because I can't do it on my own, right? Philippians two twelve through 13 says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will you and to work for his good pleasure or purposes. And so there's a process by which we're walking through becoming more obedient. All right, everybody got it? All right, number two. Uh, I'm a minute behind, so let's get this rolling. Number two, reject worldliness. Stay away from the bad stuff. Okay? Point one is do the good stuff. Point two is stay away from the bad stuff. I know, I'm freaking blowing your mind this morning. It's crazy. (laughs) Verse 15, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. I have one thing to say about this. And that is you can't outwork a bad diet. <laughs> have you guys ever heard that before? You can't work out hard enough to overcome a bad diet. You go to the gym and then you leave the gym and you just have like two Big Macs and a big Coke and it's that's not going to work. You're not going to get the results that you're after. And so it's the same with uh it's the same with our spiritual life. You can't outwork a bad diet. What are you putting into your mind? What are you filling your life with? If you struggle with anxiety, but you don't read the word of God, I can't help you with that. If you feel lonely and you feel separated and you feel not supported, but you never go to a small group or you never serve it on a team or you never do something for somebody else, I'm not sure that that is going to work for your life. So what are you nourishing, what are you using to nourish your soul? What are you using? If you just, you, you feel lonely, but all you do is stay home and watch Netflix all day to escape or to numb the pain or alcoholism or whatever it is, that's not gonna get you to where you need to go. So point number two is reject worldliness, stay away from the bad stuff, and we need, and you can't outwork a bad diet. Number three keep the faith. Keep doing the good stuff. You got to keep you got to keep it up. And and first John gives us a way that we can do that. But everyone say but. <laughs> but you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. I don't write this to you because you don't know the truth, band you guys can come up. I don't write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because No lie comes from the truth. I love this because this is me and you. We know the truth. It's not just just enough just to know, except there is more to this faith walk. And so he's writing to people who know it, who get it. You're in church today. You get it. But there is more for you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't matter uh, until you're dead, right? And so... We all have lessons to learn. Um, Jesus said, I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full. Let's skip down to 26. Oh, no, let's do 24. As for you, see what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain. Everyone say remain. Remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us. What? What? eternal life. Eternal life. Uh, let's go down to 28. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you do not know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. And so the last condition of walking In the light is to remain in him. If you'll remember, John 2 was written to two groups of people. Spiritually misguided who just need to just get their lives together. But then also, they're religiously obsessed. And so after all the talk of obedience, after all the talk of what you need to do, there's some good news Unfortunately, you can't do it on your own. You can't live a life. You can't act righteous enough. You can't You can't obey your way into heaven. You can't behave your way into heaven. We need someone who is fully God and fully man. We live in the tension where, yeah, you have to take the steps. You have to take the steps. But God gives you the strength. And so on Pentecost Sunday, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, I just want us to reflect on the scriptures today. I want you to reflect on your life. Where could you be obeying God a little more this week or in your life or up to this point? If you could help it, what could you do to obey God? to obey him? What could you do to stay away from some bad stuff that you may be stuck in or you may be trapped in? And the only way you can do it is to invite the Holy Spirit. The only way you can do it is to get in his presence. And I think that's what the Jewish Christians were missing. They didn't quite understand. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is God. You can't do it in your own strength, you can't do it just with the scriptures, you have to actually meet the person, you have to have a relationship with him, you have to have an experience with him one of my favorite quotes is from A.W. Tozer he says, the Holy Spirit never enters a man and then lets him live like the world, you can be sure of that the Holy Spirit doesn't come into you and then just let you live how you want to God is working it out He's working his purposes in you, whatever you are, whatever you have going on in your life. And our response is to surrender. Our response is to remain in him so that he can help us obey. He can help us stay away from the bad stuff. And you're not gonna get it right. In fact, when you do get it right, there's actually some more stuff that uh, you have to work out down the road. And so, listen, we help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be we're all in the same boat. I'm in your boat. You're in my boat. And we're just people who come and want to experience God and we want the Holy Spirit to get rid of the stuff. And so we're going to worship. So if you wouldn't mind, let's just stand up. And if you would just kind of close your eyes and maybe put your hands out just as a sign of surrender and just allow the Holy Spirit, allow the presence of Jesus to have his way in your heart let his voice speak to you let his presence and his word shape you this morning just right now where you are just in your heart in your own soul just invite him god we come to you this morning and we we want you to have total control we don't want to live like the rest of the world lives. We want to we want to choose your way. We want to choose the way of Jesus because that way leads to life. That way leads to peace. That way leads to joy. That way leads to only fulfillment for our lives. And so God this morning we repent of choosing our own way. We repent of allowing you just to be a footnote to our lives that's there to help us when we need. Father, we repent of trying to meld the scriptures to fit our lives God we want to meld our lives to your scripture we repent of trying to use you to help us reach our goal God Tonight, this morning we say that you are our goal you are our purpose you are our direction you are the one who leads us and so Lord as we worship would you speak to us and transform us we love you and we thank you in Jesus name